Welcome back to another episode of Foundation by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside... Zachary Newton, your other host. Welcome back. I feel like I need to really rev up your introduction. I need to... Alongside the effervescent, magnificent... And then you go and you say your... But then it's kind of a little bit vain for you to then say your name after that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even want to introduce myself. I mean, you may as well just finish the whole thing and introduce me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're back with Season 2, Episode 6, titled, Why the Gods Made Wine. Do you know why the gods made wine, Zach? Because wine is freaking awesome. It's true. What's your favorite yeah. vintage? I love Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. That's my, that's my go-to. It's like the absolute driest wine in the world. I don't like sweet wine. Anyways, I'm a cab guy myself. It seems that they've made wine to compensate the poor who can't afford to get their own vengeance. And vengeance mm-hmm. is one of the themes of this episode alongside, I would have to say, faith and reason, right? Yeah. I think we are seeing, as we spoke about in our instant reaction that we dropped on Friday morning. Or was it Friday morning? Uh, I think it was Friday night. It was a late one. Friday night. We're seeing uh, a sort of moral tug of war for everyone here upon rewatch gail seems to be having this tug of war with her mentalic side and her psychohistory side or let's just call it her faith side and her logical side or her logical and whatever reason mm-hmm. side psychohistory side is of the logic right it doesn't really allow her to attach herself to her human relationships like with salvor because we see in this episode that Harry thinks that her attachment to Salvor and wanting to save her could put the plan at risk. Mind you, it's kind of annoying because Gale was never supposed to be here in the first place and the plan is still on track. Yep. So how about Harry kind of lessen, loosens that grip a bit? But we also saw a bit of an interesting observation by Salvor, one that I think the audience out there has probably been making as well and trying to figure out why Harry has a physical body again. Mm-hmm. And she seems to think along the lines that we think, which is it's to give Harry a bit of skin in the game, you know, to start valuing those human relationships. As we saw when he had his flashback with Raish, he said, if I just trusted you, you know, when Raish is kind of reaming him a new one saying, if you just trust yeah. me, Harry, you know, this is your fault. You didn't trust me. So Harry's arc is all about trust. And we see something interesting about Harry, right? Well, we are introduced to Yana a little bit more deeply after we first met her inside of the Prime Radiant, but we also meet her at the university in Helicon back in Harry's past as he's tied up on this pool of, of rising water, right? Mm-hmm. He's thinking back on some key moments, specifically the, toward, to the memory, memories that lead up to what Tellum called out, which was his killing of Dr. Taj in, in the valley by the Moonshrike stampede, right? Very Mufasa-esque. Um, yeah, it really, yeah. it really did feel like the Lion King. Yeah. Um, and in that, we saw a glimpse of Harry, which is altogether understanding. If anybody put themselves in, this, in the shoes of Harry, you know, your wife and your unborn daughter has been murdered, right? Mm-hmm. I think you would justifiably want to take the murderer out to the middle of a valley and have them, you know, vindictively trampled by a bunch of wild beasts. But yeah. I was rooting him on. <laughs> yeah, I think I think probably most of the audience. So we got an email who said uh, Harry Seldon's a badass. So yeah, it didn't seem like most of the audience was against him. But if you wanted to take the approach of some others, maybe that is a veil or a glimpse into Harry's dark side because it is a pretty vindictive way to kill somebody, right? Mm. Um, I doubt you're dying super fast in that. You're probably being trampled 
pretty viciously. But how far could that go for Harry? I think it's like, you know, he can either go to the dark side where he goes to hell with all people, right? Mm-hmm. Or he can go to some sort of in-between where he starts to trust the relationships around him and and also his plan, right? Because yeah. it, we spoke about this maybe two episodes ago. It seems, at least in my opinion, that the Prime Radiant is not c- being controlled by Harry. Seems that Kale or whatever that force is in this show has her own agenda or its own agenda, like bringing Harry back to a physical mm-hmm. body that was outside of Harry's plan. Now, if that's the case, that means that there is some sort of supernatural force that is guiding this plan to fruition, as we see with Gale still being a part of it, Salvor being alive, all these sorts of moving chess pieces that are still um, in play, even though the second foundation should have been well underway and being founded in Helicon, right? Yeah. So, where does that leave us now? It leaves us in an episode where you have this Magneto like being in Tellum. And the reason I say Magneto, if you've ever seen X-Men 2, specifically X-Men 2, when you get that background, or is it X-Men 1? You get the uh, background of Magneto, who has this Holocaust camp experience. He's Jewish, yep. right? He's the, yep. he's the mutant who can control metal, right? And he mm-hmm. has this vision of the world, very much shaped by his trauma of being mistreated by humans, normal, non-mutant humans, right? Mm-hmm. And his vision is of a world that's run by mutants. As you see, like X-Men 3, you'll see that his vision is to try to bring all that to pass. Tellum is, is a little bit more isolationist. She doesn't really want to go and take over the Empire. She just wants Ignis to be left alone as a refuge. And that's one of our major talking points today on this deep dive, is whether we can trust her, whether we can even trust these visions that we're seeing from her cult followers, right? I mean, it feels a little bit weird to see that she was able to save each one of these individuals in their Mm -hmm. moment of need. That seems like a bit of brainwashing, as we know that she is not above brainwashing because as she is busy passively murdering Harry in the tide pool, she says, I'll just tell Gail that we, she pretty much said, I, I will brainwash them into saying that, you know, we had to kill him and we kill by self-defense, you know? Yeah. So, who is Tellum? What's her ultimate agenda? And I think we saw the Prime Radiant upon rewatch here. And I, I think it's pretty clear that uh, the flashback of Harry lets us know where the Prime Radiant is being hidden. And it's, in plain sight yeah which is always a nice hiding spot you know this whole uh planet of ignis kind of reminded me of c in the sense that you know you now have this different like a type of people that will kill anybody who's not like them right c you you have a world that goes blind essentially and so anybody that can see is like an outcast they're they're witches they're bad people and so anybody here that does not have these powers is an outcast hence that's why uh harry appears to be drowned in this episode i don't believe that he's dead because why bring him into a physical body that's my comment yep if you're gonna kill him two episodes later like that would be bringing him back just to kill him again like really we're gonna do that (laughs) just destroy the device he's in i guess you could just bring his dead body all the way back to uh una's world and maybe all over again maybe but all right, let's get into the recap. But before we do, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. <clears throat> we thank you all for tuning in once again. We hope you're enjoying our coverage of Foundation Season 2. As we gear up towards the last quarter of the season, we got episodes 7, 8, 9, and 10 coming your way in the next four weeks. 
and we hope you're enjoying our instant reactions, our deep dives. As always, leave us a review. Five stars are preferable as we compete with all the behemoths out there who seek to squash us under their corporate foot. I'm not against corporations. I just felt like maybe that would spur the people on like, <laughs> a second foundation. But no, you know, we're competing as an independent podcast producer of sorts as we seek to entertain you each week with the latest and greatest in foundation and any other series that we cover. Like Invasion, which we are desperately trying to catch up and finish our season one yes. coverage of before this Wednesday's season two premiere, which I'm very excited for, although I wish they would have spaced it out just a little bit for our content creating uh, <laughs> schedule. But nonetheless, no excuses, no pain, no gain. We will get that out to all of you out there. And we'll save the rest of the housekeeping for the end of the episode. Check our notes in our description for more and email us at contact.soapbox.house because we love all of you out there. So let's get into the recap. Let's do it. Okay. Nice run. Thanks, man. You're welcome. You see my high noon here? I'm thinking that I use my cup holder spot for mm -hmm. the partnerships that I want. Ah, uh, you know. Got it. So we yeah, have like Spindrift, that. Seltzer, and now uh, I'm all about the Seltzers lately. But yeah, apparently, I've got I've got some scotch on the rocks. So yeah, but you don't do any product placement. At least you use your kitchen counter or something. Uh, I could do that. I could stick something right, right. Yeah, there. or on your um, dining table. That could work too. I could do yeah. two at once. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the recap. Um, we get this very moonlit episode here on on Ignis, right? Mm -hmm. Are they are they doing some sort of juxtaposition with the moonlight in Ignis compared to the moonlight in Helicon, as we see later in the episode, right? Yeah. Could we, be. We get this. You get this sense that everything's being controlled by Tellum here on a very wide basis because Harry is out he's pretty much he can't sleep he's having flashbacks of the stampede right it's running mm -hmm. through his head whether that is remorse for what he did or whether that is something else who knows but he's having these flashbacks whether Tellum's drawing it out of him or not i think we do get confirmation later that she is she is salvor is also having what she describes as dreams leaking into her dreams right mm -hmm. Which could also just be another way of describing Tellum's mental force. Maybe Salvor has a bit of a, a deeper protection against Tellum's powers because she doesn't seem as affected by all of this. Really? Because I kind of thought she seemed the most affected in that she was completely not aware of the effect that it was taking on her. Because she kind of seems to have lost it a little bit like she doesn't seem like herself a little later on especially when we get to Salvor's birthday and the gift exchange like all well, of that felt like it was just... Well, are you thinking of Gale right now? Because I'm talking about Salvor. I'm thinking of Gale. Yeah. Because I'm saying I don't think Salvor seems affected. I think... Okay. You meant I, to, I misheard you. I, what I, I, what I said you, still stands for Gale. I agree with you on Gale if you want to keep expounding on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll get to it a little bit more when we get there. But I mean, yeah. she, she just does not seem to be herself. She's a little too happy, uh, go lucky with everything. Um and Salvor kind of seems to be like questioning what's up with her a little bit, like just with some of the looks that, that we get in this episode. So I yeah. think you're right though. Salvor does seem the least affected out of everybody here. Yeah. Salvor has her moment of connecting with the people on the ground. She meets this little boy who we got a shot of in the previous episode with the line marks around his neck. Now I thought those were line marks from being hung. It turns out that in his past they had slit his throat mm -hmm. and Tellum magically appeared at the perfect time to save him. 
I don't yeah. necessarily believe these televisions in some way because it's she's, too convenient. She's powerful enough to have been able to plant these, plant herself in this moment for all of these mentalics, right? Mm-hmm. And she just looks nefarious to me. Yeah. She doesn't look like someone who's pure in her motives. No, you know? she, she looks like she is, was the one orchestrating all of these people's deaths to come in, step in at the right moment to be their savior and, you know, win them over. Like, that's what all of these visions felt like to me. Yeah. She just has a very kind of like, she's not telling the full truth feel to her at all times. I do think Salvor's going to end up in some way here, kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Where she sees that they're, you know, Gail's wrestling with, you know, her faith side. She comes from a planet that's very deep in, um, in religious symbols, right? And then yeah. she has this other side of her where she's completely analytical with the plan and psychohistory and all of that. While Salvor's kind of pure intuition, right? She's pure gut feeling on most yeah. things. And Harry's pure analytical. But... Mm-hmm. There's definitely this kind of rivalry between Harry and Tellum forming here. And I can't imagine it's going to last much longer because Harry's literally being tied to it. He's tied by chains to his death mm-hmm. in a tide pool. So I can't imagine that if he survives this, that Tellum's going to survive much longer after that. No. We've got to have some battle between Tellum and the group here, Gal Salvor, and hopefully Harry. I mean, I hope he's not dead. Tellum and Harry have a discussion alongside Gail and Salvor where Tellum lets them know she wants no part of this plan. And although she doesn't believe that Gail can see the future, she's quickly convinced otherwise when she touches her and sees the vision of the mule and Salvor being dead. Mm-hmm. The mule is very interesting here because it's the first time we get really some clarity that he comes from a community like this, that he is a mentalic. Yeah. Now, I always assumed that the mule in that very brief vision we had was working for someone else, that he had a leader who was, he was under. And so, like, you never really see the king on the battlefield hunting the main target, right? Mm-hmm. So, I figured he was like the lead general or the lead fighter for whatever force this was. But it could be that he is actually the force. He is the danger, as Walter White once famously said. <laughs> and I wonder what her connection is to him. Could it be the mules, the little boy that we just saw? Uh, who knows? He could be hiding in plain sight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it could be. I guess that that future was, would be, what did they, didn't they tell us it was like about 150 years from now or 100 years from now? I think it's about 100. Yeah. So, I don't know. Then again, with the cryo sleep pod, everyone, I guess, can just survive at all times. Yeah, anybody could be anybody in the future. It's hard to know. You could be a little kid now. You could also be the exact age that you're seen in the future. (laughs) You just drop right into the middle of a battlefield. We move on to Polly and Constant, who have now made their way towards Trantor. Brother Constant has her encounter with the spacer, which is not the first that we will see in this episode, because as we know, her and uh, Hober are connected in some sort of serendipitous true love mm-hmm. connection because he also has a connection with a spacer later in this episode. Yeah. They're approaching Trantor. And I honestly loved this scene because you get a complete like immigration experience into Trantor. And for the first time, or not the first time, but one of the 
deeper times, you feel like you're actually seeing this world of Trantor, this very cyberpunky, futuristic world. Yeah. Uh, where you land and you're going into the city and you're staying at a hotel and Polly's using the uh, Church of the Galactic uh, uh, Spirits expense account. Like they got expense accounts <laughs> for this. I mean, I love it because it feels although when I heard him use the term expense account, it, I think that's a term that a lot of people in the corporate world can, you know, uh, relate to. And it's kind of a funny thing. The only thing I do wish is that we would have seen their night of indulgence out in the city. Yeah, that would have been fun to see. I want to I wanna know how he got so uh, wasted. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see the underbelly of, of, of Trantor a little bit. Like I wanted to see... Um, I wanted to see just like- The club scene. Yeah, more of the city, you know? I wanted yeah. to see some sort of Blade Runner-esque, you know, street vendors and stuff like that. Just more world building. But who knows? Maybe they filmed it and it didn't make the cut or maybe it would have been just too expensive to to build out even more. Um, I will say this. There's like this scene of all the people walking up in immigration and it mm-hmm. reminds me of the conveyor belt on Space Mountain. Uh, mm. And I'm like, this is Trantor? And this is the kind of entryway we have where it's literally sing- like almost single file. You're so cramped up against the walls. Like that's pretty horrible. <laughs> it's a long line, man. There's a lot of people here. A lot of people I'm sure wanting to get in. Why do you think they lit up red, by the way, when they walked through that little like metal scanner or I guess yellow it was? I don't know. Maybe it was that uh, he wasn't cleared to come back freely. So he had to stop at the desk. Hmm. That's what I thought. But he he lights up yellow and she lights up red. Does she does that? Isn't that what happens? I think it's the same color. I mean, let's check it out one more time. We're about to see here in a minute at around fourteen minutes and twenty seconds. Yellow. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's just a, a symbol. I, I maybe think he just it's knows just they're the not flag. in the system or something. Like maybe they're not tracked. So they got to like, all right, enter him in. Uh, you could. Oh, be right. do we get her name there? Can you can we rewind that? Because it shows up their names on the. Uh, it says constant. Does it say brother? It looks like it. Are you kidding me? That's not how her ID would be in the world, in this empire. Oh, that's horrible. Brother Constance. By the way, the font that they're using in here is the worst font you could use if you were trying to create an interface that anybody could read. This is like... It looks like a, like half of the, the letters look like music notes. I think it's the same or font. Or Greek as, alphabet. Uh, I think like, it's the same Greek font characters. as the foundation logo, no? Eh, I don't know. It might be. I mean, for branding, I mean, I get that, but definitely not easy to read it. People, some people were giving some hate on the logo for the, say, uh, for the season two foundation word mark. Mm-hmm. I'm personally grateful that the... Season one blaring white screen foundation was done away with, and now it's a black screen. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned that once this season, but in season one, whenever it would show the foundation font, it would be mm. on a huge white screen, which if you were watching like at 10 p.m., that. it would just blast your face off. Yeah. Uh, now it's on a black screen. Yeah. Much better for the eyes. Yeah. Much better. Back to Ignis. At what point did you do you think that they took Harry away to this tide pool? Because as we know, Loren, the guy who was cloaked as Hugo earlier in the season to confuse or to trick Salvor, mm-hmm. pretends that he's Harry and he's leaving the planet on the beggar. But turns out that Harry's been kidnapped in a way and uh, taken to the tide pool to be murdered. Hmm. Didn't get just at any moment. They just 
it had to have started when they started doing that visual effect on screen where like the outer edges were very blurred. It was like this kind of uh, radi- radial blur effect. Yeah, I'm not quite sure when in the show that was, but I mean, oh, I, I would it, imagine it, it would have had to have been at least immediately after uh, Harry asks Salvor to find the radiant and protect it. Oh, it, it occurs in the scene after Gale and Tellum have their encounter on the ship where Tellum essentially tells her, listen, I'm okay with you staying here. You're a freaking prodigy. You have skills that cannot be taught. But Harry cannot stay here. You can take over the Metallics. Hell, you can even call him the Second Foundation if you want, if the mm-hmm. name sticks or if you can't come up with a better name. She is legitimately concerned about the mule, but I think Tellum is scarred by... I think she's scared of the reality where Metallics can be thrown to the side or used, perhaps like Spacers, as we see later in this episode, because we find out that Spacers are very much... They're almost like slave labor to the Empire, right? Yeah, There's, they're created for use by the Empire, it seems. They're genetically modified humans who are necessary for the Empire to traverse space with their jump ship technology. Uh, it seems also that they are bound to the Empire because the Empire has a chokehold on the industry of the Opolis, of the Opolisk industry, where we see mm-hmm. Belrios is mining these minerals yeah. um, for the Empire and as his prison sentence. So perhaps they're kind of bound to the empire for this mineral, and in return they offer this service to them. All right. Yeah, I could see a world where that is the case. Do you think? Well, now that we're at the part where Gale, if you can push it forward a little bit here mm-hmm. to Gale and Tellum's reaction on on the ship, if you notice on the table. Because we see the the construction of the Prime Radiant in this episode, yeah. the flashbacks of Harry. But if you look in the table, you'll see the Prime Radiant on the table unfolded the way it is in Harry's memories. Did you catch that? I did. It's just laying flat right there and just opened. Yeah, which I don't think anybody would be able to tell that that was an item of significance if you had never seen the Prime Radiant before. Well, the other thing though is, the, I mean, the Prime Radiant, even when it's like in the in the ball-esque shape that it's in doesn't really look like much special. It does kind of look like a paperweight. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, we have had a couple of listeners uh, write in saying, could you please upload screenshots of the show when you are discussing them on the YouTube episodes? See, unfortunately, what we would like to do is we would like to have video of the episode going on in the background as we are doing our commentary on YouTube. However... We cannot actually do that, I think, by copyright laws. And so whoever else is doing that and using clips out there either has Apple's permission or they have found a way of doing it that we have not currently discovered yet. So, uh, yeah. But, I mean, ideally, I would love to have the scenes that we are referencing on the screen as we talk about them. So it's not mm-hmm. because we haven't thought of it. It's because right now there is no method to do it unless Apple gives us the clearance to do so. Maybe. Or maybe we I have mean- the clearance and we don't know it. So. Like I'd fair, have to look into it more. Fair use. As it is, this this podcast is literally free marketing for Apple's TV shows. So, anyways, let's continue. <laughs> what did you think about these mentalic powers being used as like force? You can like force push somebody with a mentalic power. It's interesting. Um, part of me was wondering if it really happened. Like... Was that Tellum just kind of manipulating what Gail sees here to make her think that she has these powers and to make her think that she is special? Or is that something that they can actually do? Because I have not seen anybody 
in this show do anything magical like that and i mean even the magicians that we saw a little earlier on that was it was pretty lame so i don't even know if 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 those powers are real or if it's really just manipulating um what she thinks she sees i wonder if that's even accurate with the book or whether that was a direction they wanted to take this to give some more weight to these intuitive powers Hmm. something that the audience could you know visualize more maybe have some sort of see the metallics as more of a force to be reckoned with yeah i mean you would think that seeing the future would be enough also when she does that little force push thing you see the outside of the the frame get blurry and that's right around 21 minutes in the episode so i don't like if we're saying when things get blurry on the outside, it's not real. Or I mean, let's not say not that. real, but I think maybe anytime there's a blurriness on the outside frame, mm-hmm. it's when the metallic power is being used, whether to the knowledge of the person it's being used on or not. Okay. Similar to if you've seen Oppenheimer. There's several. You haven't seen Oppenheimer? Not yet. I I'm, want I'm to go watch it on IMAX for the first time. Goodness gracious. Anyways. I'm sorry, I have to say something now. I have I, it's on, I want to see it, but you told me there was no tickets available, so I've been waiting. Okay. Anyways, in Oppenheimer, there's portions of the film that are black and white. And someone was telling me the other day that those portions of the film are from the perspective of Strauss, the <laughs> character Strauss, in, who's played by Robert Downey Jr. And so I think in certain ways you can see in any film that there's visual tells for different things. There's decisions on um, the visual side to kind of help aid the telling of the story, as we saw earlier in the episode with those Dolly zooms when Salvor's talking to the little boy who I don't think we catch his name, I'm not mistaken. Or maybe we do, and I just don't know the kid's name. It didn't stand out to me. Yeah. What do you think uh, of Tellum's proposal to Gail? I mean, it's it's enticing. Like, I get it. Like, I'd wanna, I'd wanna see what I can do with my powers and take this over. Though, <sighs> did we get rid of Harry or not? That's up to you. I'm asking you. Oh, you're asking me what I would do here. Yeah. If I were Gale and didn't know what I, as a watcher, know about Harry. I'd probably be okay with getting rid of him too. I mean, let's let's not forget that it hasn't been that long in her mind or to her because she was in cryosleep for such a long time um, since Raish had died and she had found out that Raish died and that was a result of decisions that Harry made. So like, I, I kind of get it if she wants to just say, yeah, bye Harry, have a good one. You're as vindictive as Harry is taking that woman out to the, to the valley. <laughs> We get a uh, untimely look. I hate to say it, but we knew that this Polly and Brother Constant mission was going to be a suicide mission, and that yep. evil dressed in black Harry on Terminus is, you know, he is the you know the antithesis of what Calais probably wanted with you know light Harry and having skin in the game. This guy mm-hmm. is sending people as busy work to the to the capital, right? Yeah. And they're found in a in a room that is a direct I mean it is it could be the same exact room Gail was in when she was brought to the planet. 
And it ends in the same exact way. They're surrounded by these empire cronies and they're cloaked after this very interesting monologue by Polly, who seems to be setting up maybe a period of intense um, trials for mm-hmm. both of them to see who the true believer is, right? Yeah. And he talks about faith and belief. And he talks about how he doesn't have faith because he saw Harry Sheldon when he was a boy. So he knew that it was real. While Brother Constant here, she has faith because she had never seen Selden. And so, therefore, she was actually a true believer, a true um, disciple, so to speak, of Mm. Selden and his plan. Yeah. This whole scene that we get kind of caught me by surprise about how quickly this happened. I thought they were going to, like, get an audience with maybe Empire or somebody in charge. No, I still think that's going to happen. I think they're going to get an audience with uh, with Empire, and that's that's going to be the I guess the catalyst for why Day ends up going to Terminus, which we saw in the trailer. Yeah, it does make you wonder whether this mission to send them out here was even a good idea. Maybe they if were bait. Exactly. Well, if maybe yeah, to bring them out, you think Harry's using yeah. them as bait to get them out there? Could be. Mm-hmm. It very well could be, but. If anything, I mean, it would be the perfect combination of killing Day, right? Right at yeah. the moment that he's disposing of the genetic dynasty. Yeah. That would be the perfect time to do it. Would it, would it, would it leave uh, Sarath in charge then? It I would, would assume so. It would leave Sarath in charge who, I don't think that she is somebody who has bad intentions. I think that she has noble intentions. Hmm. I don't think that she is... Um, Someone to, I would be more comfortable or, you know, at peace knowing Sarath was in charge than Day, who's literally yeah. having like a heart attack up there with Sarath <laughs> saying, we rule for you, you know, <laughs> having absolute uh, yeah. shit up there. Yeah. Should what have prepped you- her a little bit on what to say and what not to say before you brought her out in front of your entire following. Day gives this long speech about how they have long kind of strayed from their past, right? And now mm-hmm. he's bringing things back to the old order. So much so that he announces for the first time publicly that they are getting doing away with the Cleonic genetic dynasty, right? Mm-hmm. And the Galactic Council's there who we only heard one thing about at one point, which was when they were going to kill Don last season where Demerzel mm-hmm. snaps his neck. We hear that the, from Dusk in that scene who slaps Day in the face that the, the Galactic Council will never go for this. You know, it pretty much says something to the tune of there is a power that be that has direct uh, authority over what can and cannot occur. So it'll be interesting to see now that he's publicly pronounced his intention here, which I'm assuming they had already known about, yeah. how they will take this and what, they're, what they stand to gain and what they stand to lose from this yeah. matrimony. And whether Sarath and being so bold to uh, appeal to the people is either helping her case and making it more difficult to be disposed of or whether she's making it easier to be disposed of and maybe do away with this whole idea of getting rid of the genetic dynasty. Yeah, this thing with the Galactic Council, though I'm not very familiar with the politics over in uh, England, it kind of reminds me of the the queen and the the church and, uh, you know, like there are other people that can control what they can do to an extent right like they can't just do anything they want 
I mean, that's that's at least the way that I've seen it in the crowns. I'm not I'm not going to say I'm an expert in it, but it did kind of remind me of that. So I've heard that the crown is complete BS compared, like in terms of actual history. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I've never watched the crown. But I started this history podcast that's hosted by these two Brits, Tom Holland. I think his name is Tom Holland. Tom Holland. It's Tom Holland, but not the Tom Holland from Spider Man. Okay. Uh, obviously, and uh, you had me worried there for a minute. No, it's Tom Holland from Spider Man. You got an issue with that? No, uh, it's the historian Tom Holland. You can find him on Twitter, and uh, he's a he's a an expert on ancient history, and then the other guy is an expert in modern history. And the opening episode, they're pretty much just talking shit about the crown the whole time, saying, well, "Oh, I'm gonna watch that now. I'm gonna listen to it." They're essentially saying, "Oh, the crown is nonsense. It's entertaining, but it's entertaining nonsense. Like none it of it happened that way." Yeah, so, I mean, it, to, to be fair, like it does feel very dramatized, right? Like it, I think you'd have to to make it all interesting. But I'm not, like I said, I'm not an expert in royal history or anything really over there. So no, I, I I'll, just I'll I do find it because it brings it brings like an interesting discussion to the table of whether historical fiction is harmful to history or whether it's beneficial to history. And so, using the crown as an example, how long? You know, we see it in society, you know, if you repeat yeah. a lie enough, right, at what point do you stop recognizing the truth? So, if we fast forward 100 years and all you have of this period of time is to watch The Crown or reading like books upon books upon books of the history, the mm -hmm. majority of the people are probably going to assume that the history seen in The Crown is the actual history, Yeah. right? So, I, we're at that point, it's like what Harry says in this series where who writes history? The victors, you know, like who is the one who are the ones telling the uh, stories, and so as at a certain point, pop culture dictates what people believe because no one's doing the actual like legwork of seeing what's real, what's not. And by the way, I don't know one way or the other because I'm not an expert on that either. Yeah. Um, but it's it's an interesting discussion because I think a lot of us do take things at face value when we watch a historic a historical fiction show, right? Because we're just mm -hmm. assuming we're in good hands. That the person telling us the story is... is yeah, you hope you are. You, know, you wish you were. <laughs> yeah. And I think that goes with biographical pictures and autobiographies and all sorts of things like that too, you know? Like the two Steve Jobs movies? Yeah, I was, I was literally just thinking about the Steve Jobs movies yeah. and how accurate those are, how accurate they're not. I mean, the only people who would know would be the people who are there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyways. Well, off the crown, onto the Harry. Onto the Harry, which is a very crown-like name. It is. I got to say, it's amazing that, that Jared, uh, what's the actor's name? Jared Lewis? Jared Harris. Jared Who Harris, plays Harry yes. Seldon. It's amazing he's still alive in the series. I feel like he's probably shocked that he's still alive <laughs> in this series, <laughs> considering his track record, you know? Mm -hmm. He's kind of like the yeah. Sean Bean of the, of the modern age, you know? He's just <laughs> goes, but... Uh, hey, to be fair, he has already died in this series at least once. <laughs> he was probably thinking that's more like... That's more what I'm used to. You know? Oh, you want me to be in a really cool show? I'm going to die in the third episode. This is great. You want me to be the focal point of this show? Oh, I come back. That's weird. I'm not used to being here. Oh, more than man. A season. Yeah. All right. So, the main focus of this episode, or last year, let's round out Hober real quick. He is essentially passed by this massive ship. Is this the whisper ship that we hear about? The whisper ship. Remember when, when Bell Rios is, they're getting like the intel about this. 
no, foundation group? No, I don't think so. I, I think, I don't know where I heard it, but there's like, and don't ask me what they are because I, I really don't know. I, I would scroll through something and, and saw it, but I think there's like three different types of jump ships or whatever. I don't think this is the Whisper ship. I think the Whisper ship was a technology that um, uh, Brother Constance and Polly had. Like that's what they flew out of uh, oh, Sewena on. Okay, I see. I see. Yeah. I do wonder what's going to happen here with Hober. Although he has technically defiled the home swarm. I don't expect Hober Mallow's going anywhere. So no. it'll be interesting to see where this goes and whether we know that this is an alliance that Harry wants to make with the Spacers, right? Yeah. If you could technically make this alliance, then the, the Empire can't use jump ship technology. I was just about to say that. In addition to that, you could also potentially sabotage all of their ships. True. True. It seems like they are going after all of the planets and peoples who have been used and abused by the Empire, like the Anacreans, the, the Thespians, and now the Spacers as the next ones. And so, Sawena in places where people uh, were left by Empire. Yeah. Although I don't know how Sawena will ever contribute positively. To I don't anything. think they're going to. <laughs> I think that place needs to just die off over there. Sawena no, felt a little it, more like Sodom and Gomorrah. I'll be it reminds me, like the look of Sawena reminds me so much of, what is that that movie? I think Johnny Depp plays a cartoon lizard, like Rango oh, or something. Oh, Rango. I was going to say yeah. Django. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it reminds, like for whatever reason, when I was looking at it, like it just felt like I was watching a real life version of Rango it's with no lizards and people instead. Because of the cowboys, man. It's yeah. the random wild west in the middle of nowhere with Hilarious. the alien creatures and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so we round out on Ignis. We get all these flashbacks of Harry to his past. We meet Yana. Yana's killed after being taken hostage after Harry gets this assignment to go to Streeling University to relocate to Trantor and to continue his teachings there because it seems the Empire wants to kind of have a, um, a stronger presence, um, you know, closer proximity to seeing what this potential revolutionary problem is up to, you know? Yes. And so Harry's caught in between continuing his studies or going to the empire or going to uh, the empire, the capital in Trantor. But unfortunately, Yana is killed in the process because Dr. Taj, who is, seems to be the crony who is acting on behalf of the empire on Helicon, takes Yana hostage to kind of force Harry's hand. Something goes wrong and Yana is killed and the baby inside of her is also killed. Mm -hmm. Now, I do wonder if Yana's actually dead. Could she have just taken off this necklace? And the pulse would somehow stop? I imagine she could have. Do I think that happened? Absolutely not. I don't... If she did, if she was still alive, I would imagine that she would have seeked Harry out at some point. Do you um, think that... I mean, because as I always say, you don't see them die on, on camera yeah, or on screen. They're not dead. Shout out to Ward Cameron. Uh, <laughs> she could be alive now maybe the writers don't even know whether she's alive although he does encounter her in the prime radiant mm -hmm. so it would be very interesting to me if she does pop up alive and the daughters now well then again this would have been so far long ago that they would be technically dead by now yeah like i i don't think that they're alive like 
I get the whole you want to see a body on screen, but I think she's dead. It it feels pretty conclusive, and I really think she would have sought Harry out if she were alive. Hey, you know what I was thinking when I was watching this episode and we were seeing all of Harry's flashbacks? No. I think that you probably looked like Harry Seldon as a kid. Me? Yeah, with his when he has his little mushroom cut and he's in the valley <laughs> and he stands in, in the middle of the stampede. He's like, he kind of looks like, like a miniature version of you. I don't know. I did not think about I, it. I didn't. Yeah, I would have I'm to see a baby picture of you. To, I'm scrolling for a thumbnail. No, it's I mean, it's don't later. forget, I was, a, I was a good old freckle-faced kid. That's what I was so. going to say. It's like a little freckle-faced boy. Yeah. Let's see if we can find the flashback to the, to the stampede. Where, where is it? Is it before this? No, it's, it's when he's in the pool. He starts to get the flashbacks, I think. Ah, right, right. Let's see. There we go. There right we go. there. Right around 41 minutes in the episode. Did you look like this? If you go back uh, 10 seconds? Nah, I don't think I looked quite like that. I, I never <laughs> had that mushroom cut, as you put it. I always had my head almost buzzed when I was oh, yeah? younger for, for sports. I had a mushroom I had a mushroom cut like the first two years of my life, and then it was short after that, or three years of my life, and then it was short. When I, when I got older, I mean, I would grow it out. I, at one point in time, I kind of had the... The little Bieber flip. The Bieber uh, flip, what, right. Yeah, whatever you want to call that <laughs> thing. But uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, rounding out the episode, uh, Dr. Todd well, just killed. Hold on. I, I do, I do want to make a oh, comment. Bad, that I, don't, I don't know if you picked on, uh, picked up on this detail. I don't know that it really has any significance. But the necklace um, that Dr. Todd gives to, oh, sorry, not Dr. Todd, that Yana gives to Harry. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that it looks like the identical to the vault? Yes, I did. I did notice that. Um, why? I'm assuming that maybe that was just the inspiration of, to make the vault look like that. That's kind of what I was thinking. It was just him, you know, pulling something significant from his past. I don't think that there's any connection between the vault and the necklace or anything yeah. like that. But I thought it was, thought it was interesting. Yana's very pretty, by the way. She reminds me of. Um... Another actress, um, who I'm blanking on. I another another say. Tom Holland reference. She reminds me of uh, his Spider-Man's mother in uh, his version of Spider-Man. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> or his aunt. Aunt know, May. Aunt May, yeah. Um, okay. What's next here? Because Gail's left with a decision whether to follow, tell him or not. They have to find out what's going on with Harry whether you know i don't know how they i'm assuming salvor is going to be the one who finds that out maybe someone goes rogue amongst the cult members i think it's salvor that's going to find out and then what do they do with that information what do they do to tell them after that information gail and salvor don't seem like stone cold killers to me so what occurs after that does harry go for vengeance you know well what is the reasonable outcome stone cold killers no but Salvor was the warden on Terminus, so well, she wouldn't even kill. She's got it in her. She wouldn't even kill the Grand Hundreds of Anacreon after like several terror attacks. You know, that's true. But I, I guess that's because she she outthought her potentially yeah. at some point in time. I don't know. What side of Gale do you think wins out? Her her faith side, her reason side, or a little bit of both? Hmm. I'm going to take the middle of the road. I think it's going to have to be a little bit of both. Like she's going to have to 
trust your intuition, but also understand the plan and trust the plan at the same time. Cause she, she seems to have battled both of these things at different points in time throughout the series. Yeah. Sarath, what's next here? Are we finally going to get, we got no update on what she's going to do with that information she has now on Demerzel. What occurs with that information? Do we get that finally happening in the next episode or, or what? Maybe she leaks the information to the Galactic Council, who I'm sure is very not thrilled with Day at this point after finding out at a live event that he's going to end the Cleonic Dynasty. Um, that actually takes me to my last question, which is, okay. how do you think this endeavor to end the Cleonic Dynasty, or not the Cleonic Dynasty, I guess the genetic dynasty, how do you think that that's going to go over and what do you think ensues after that? I mean, I think what's going to happen is we're going to, I mean, we're still going to see the downfall of the empire. It's going to be my bet. I don't think we're going to see the Cleonic dynasty continue to exist for very long. Now, in a thousand year story, could very long continue into next season, most likely. Um, but I do think that we're going to see, see it fall. And, you know, I think, I think Day is, is like a, He's going to kind of be like a wild animal that you keep backing into a corner. That's just got to like fight and attack everything, right? Like he's not, he's got to deal with Harry and Terminus and the foundation, the one foundation that he knows of. He's going to have to deal with the Galactic Council. He's got to deal with Sarath. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think this is just going to be like a pretty rapid unraveling of, of what we've known as Empire for the longest time. Do you think that this season is the last we'll see of the genetic dynasty? Or do you no. think perhaps that Don is going to be the last day we see? So let's say that's Day that, dies the, the, in this episode. That's a good or, question. You know, will Don be... I mean, well, if Day dies in this episode, remember, they have another day. Not episode, season, my bad. Oh, season. Yeah, if, if, if Day dies in the season, they still have another day that they can spin up right away. Um, True. Will Dawn be the last day that we see? I don't know. That I mean, that would. It's possible. It really is possible. But I don't. I don't think that we're gonna see the end of the Cleonic Dynasty in this episode. And at least what I mean by that is, I think we're still gonna see the characters of Dusk and and Dawn, um, in addition today into next season. That would be my guess. Hmm. Okay. And last. Does Harry survive? Yeah. I, I, I can't. I, I'll be upset if they brought Harry back as a human just to kill him when they yeah. could have just killed him a different way. Yeah, agreed. As a part of the device that Talon Bond wants to destroy anyways. I hope next week we get a continuation of these storylines and we don't just go to Bel Rios. I think we're going to go to Bel Rios. <sighs> he's he's though, been absent for so though long. Though I think we're going to go to Bel Rios and Terminus and we're still going to get some elements of like uh, Empire or something like that. Like I think we're still going to get a bit of this story that we have in here. It's not going to be as disconnected as the previous episodes have been on every other episode. Yeah. All right. Let's round out this episode. Cool. Do you want to get into the questions? Yeah, it's you, man. <laughs> All right. Favorite character of the episode? I'm going Harry. 
It's the you first know, time maybe in the history of the show I've said Harry. I'll join you on that. I'm not a fan of oh, Salvor they, and Galen. They brought back one. my old uh, Shadow Master. Did you notice they that? Did? In the flashback. He's the one who gives the, Harry the book. Ah, interesting. They brought him back. He got a flashback. That guy was great in season one, and he's only here for a cameo, but whatever. Okay, hmm. so you were saying? Oh, no, I'll go, I'll go with Harry on this one, too. I, I think he's... This was his episode, I, I think. This is yeah. definitely his episode. Agreed. Favorite scene in the episode? Favorite scene? Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Day's announcement to the people. Okay. I was going to pick that, so I'll pick a different one. I'm not going to join you on every decision in this, in this episode. Favorite scene? Uh, I'm going to go with... Harry dishing out some justice. Okay. That's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was too. All right. Favorite line in this episode. I, I'm struggling with this one because there's not any lines that stuck out to me too much. I didn't write any down on this one. Yeah. So in, in place of favorite line then, let's do something similar to... I guess favorite scene. Maybe we'll we'll try to get a little more more granular and and, and mm -hmm. chuck this up to like favorite interaction between a couple characters. Mm. I'd say I liked the interactions between Harry and Salvor in this episode. That was good. That was good. I'll I'll go with the interactions between. It's it's either going to be between Gale and Tellum, mm -hmm. or it would be. Day and Sarith. Mm. As as she goes to give her speech, though, I don't like I, none of the lines. Like really, really stood out to me. Other than like we we're here for you. we rule for you, yeah. Um, side of things, but just the the little interaction between the two, I, I thought was was kind of funny. And she's always just poking at things to see what I guess what starts the domino. It's, it's the most it's the most interesting thing of the show to me so far is, yeah. is Trantor to be honest, is what's going on in Trento right now. Mm -hmm. So that's like what I want to see most over all the others. So, yeah. All right. Uh, thank you all for tuning in for another week. We are looking forward to episode seven. It kind of, this is like one of the first times in the show where I'm kind of itching for the next episode where it's not, I usually am grateful to go week to week, but now I kind of wish I had a binge opportunity <laughs> to just watch them all, see how this plays out. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, it just continues to get better. And I hope uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 continue on the same path we've been on. So to your outro, Zach. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Foundation by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can visit us on YouTube at Soapbox Podcast Network. We have different playlists for the different shows we've been covering over there. You can visit our website at Soapbox.house, email us at contact at Soapbox.house, and we do have two links in the description below. One to sign up for our quarterly newsletter, and the other to fill out a survey that we have as we continue to grow the network. Until next time, please respect and enjoy the peace. That's right.